0: everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud to get it automatically. If you use the Stitcher app, I'm over there as well. You can like the podcast on Facebook, facebookcom MyFirstSketch. Public email, Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. So I've been a huge fan of British comedy dating back to discovering Mr. Bean on PBS when I was a kid. And diving deeper into the history of comedy, I learned about the importance of the Footlights group from Cambridge University and all of the writers and performers that have come out of it. From the Monty Python guys, to Fry, Laurie, and Emma Thompson, Mel and Sue, John Oliver and Richard Iawati, and so many more comedy over the last 50 plus years wouldn't be the same without the footlights and once again the footlights are bringing their latest review to tour america so i'm absolutely thrilled to say today's guest is ash weir currently a member of the footlights from cambridge university now since we recorded this while ash was in edinburgh performing with the footlights at the fringe festival we won't actually present her first sketch we do talk about it But here's my conversation with Ash. Hey, Ash. (laughs) Hi. So uh, you are currently in Edinburgh. I am, Uh, yes. Tail end the last day. Well, we're recording this on the last day of uh, the Fringe over there. Uh-huh. Uh, so you don't have your first sketch with you, but do you remember what your first sketch was? Do you remember
1: yes. Yeah. It was a terrible monologue. Um, like it was basically a fitness instructor who was um basically making all these ridiculous claims to kind of um that, that were pseudo healthy but weren't actually healthy. Um and I auditioned it for this kind of open mic night in Cambridge and uh didn't get in um and i was affronted by it because i thought it was brilliant and um reading it back <laughs> now it's awful it's so bad it doesn't have any jokes in it
0: how, uh, how long ago was this
1: uh this is um kind of three years ago
0: okay uh, yeah. um
1: i like to think i've improved since then
0: so like okay and i'm gonna this is gonna be my you know american ignorance i feel like like education works differently in the uk Yes, I'd say Cause, so. Like, like, because I don't know anything about like the G- GCSEs, the O levels, A levels, sure, college. Right. I don't understand how any of that works.
1: Okay, so <laughs> okay, right. Um, at the moment, you um, when you're about, I think it's kind of um, thirteen, fourteen. You you kind of um, you. That's when you're sitting your GCSEs, and that's like a, a two year course. So you do your first. Okay. Level of GCSEs in one year, and then the next year, um, you do kind of the ones that actually matter, and that's kind of your GCSEs. Um, o levels happened ages ago, I don't know how they work. Uh, that was like my parents. Um, okay, gender.
0: so that, okay, okay.
1: Um, and then A levels, what you do in sixth form, so um, kind of when you're from 16 to kind of 18, that's when you're studying uh, your A levels and their kind of advanced levels. Um, and those are the grades that universities use to um, check whether you kind of are academic enough to, to get in and sort of dictate where you can and can't go. Um, and then if you want to go to university, you can go to university, but that's based on your A-levels. Sometimes you okay. okay,
0: so the O-levels are kind of like...
1: A thing of the past, Yeah. So, it,
0: yeah. Oh, the A-levels, I'm sorry. A- A-levels are kind of like our junior and senior year here.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Okay. Okay, I Probably I right. don't. That's, that's easy enough. Okay. So all right. So you're at Cambridge. In in my head, like I, if I lived in England, and being the comedy fan that I am, there's yeah. a part of me that'd be like, I'd want to go to Cambridge.
1: Yeah, purely
0: dude. for the footlights.
1: Well, you know, a lot of people do. So um, I have a lot of friends who are involved in comedy who kind of um, made a beeline Cambridge because um, they knew that there was this big legacy. Um, they were a big fan of a lot of the kind of comedy giants in the UK that had come from the Cambridge Footlights. But um, I, even though I obviously knew kind of yeah, big Monty Pythons and, and Emma Thompsons, uh, Olivia Coleman's, I, I didn't. Um, I, I didn't really associate them with footlights. I just thought they were very funny people. Um, mm-hmm. And then kind of when I got to Cambridge, because I was more interested in the kind of academic side of it. Um, And I realized that all these people that I admired and loved um, as performers had come through this sketch troupe. Um, That was a kind of connection that I didn't make until very late on. So me kind of getting involved in that was very lucky on my part because I didn't go with the view to join. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah.
0: Another part of my English fandom, like my anglophileness, I guess, is uh, the the up series, like the Seven Up, fourteen. You know, yeah. th- that, that documentary series yeah. so and I remember like those children always talking about like the conveyor belt to Ox- Oxbridge and either going to Oxford or Cambridge and you know like sounding all hoity-toity and
1: yeah well I mean I, I, like I said I think that's that's true of, um, uh, of some people uh, in, in Cambridge at the moment but it wasn't true of me um, because mm-hmm. I went to a school in the north of England um, it was kind of uh, an underprivileged state school, uh, not particularly well funded. Uh, so we were using textbooks and things which were you know four or five years out date, even in a levels. Um, I had classes of thirty people, so um
0: fairly kind of, common in, in America. Yeah,
1: yeah, but um but kind of in terms of Cambridge and Oxford, uh, there um, that there, there is less of this conveyor belt thing from state schools from kind of like these um, underprivileged. Mm especially in the north of England, very few people from the north of England apply to Cambridge, Oxford. Um, So the conveyor belt system generally works for private schools um, in the more southern areas of England. Um, And it's less the case up north and with um, Mm. non-private schools.
0: Okay. All right. So now that I get my primer of the UK education system out, (laughs) that curiosity, uh, what's your earliest memory of comedy?
1: Um, Oh, I remember going to see, and it was actually a science convention with my dad, because my dad's a massive nerd. Um, And we we went to this science convention and they did this kind of like uh, interactive sort of science show where they did lots of experiments on stage and things. And um, the guy who was doing that was, I can't remember what his name was, but I can remember just howling with laughter because... He was kind of, he had this person on stage and he had like um, a big pot of some chemical which he was just dropping little metal shavings in. And every time he dropped a metal shaving in, it would make this sort of like whiz pop noise. And I can remember mm-hmm. him kind of asking very earnest questions to this audience member. And every time the audience member tried to respond, he'd drop a bit of uh, the, the metal filing to a thing and it would make this like really um, kind of ridiculous high-pitched squealing sound and it was hilarious I remember it being hilarious and I was maybe kind of eight at the time um but that's that's the first time I can remember kind of comedy being performed and just thinking wow that's so funny and clever probably wasn't that clever but I thought it was um yeah I think that was it
0: like television wise like was there or even movie wise like was there anything what were you a fan of growing up
1: Oh, I was a massive fan of the kind of '90s sitcoms from uh, from Britain. So I really loved uh, okay. like Black Books, The IT Crowd, um, also Father Ted to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I so I grew up on on those sort of things because. Um, my my family were a big fan of box sets. We very rarely watched live TV unless it was Doctor Who. We were massive fans of Doctor Who, um, and Strictly Come Dancing. My gran loved Strictly Come Dancing, but other than that, <laughs> like we, uh, the majority of TV we watched was recorded. It was kind of on DVDs and box sets and things. And we had these box sets of the IT Crowd and Black Books and things. And so I just watched them back to back to the extent where I can sort of recite them word for word now um and I realize now that a lot of my sense of humor kind of stems back to these kind of British 90s um sitcoms and things just kind of like Ooh, a couple yeah go on
0: a couple of ones that you mentioned aren't from the 90s like hmm. IT crowds mid-2000s uh Father yeah. Ted's gone back quite a bit like
1: yeah yeah no, no you're black right.
0: books I don't I don't know when black books is because i i know i just know it's that's on people, netflix oh, over got, here
1: it's got like dylan moran in it uh thames and greg yeah Bailey. yeah yeah um
0: i just i just don't know remember that was released
1: I, I i don't know why i've associated it with 90s i maybe i I might just be completely wrong um but
0: yeah. I, and i guess since you're not you weren't watching it live it doesn't matter when they came out like no 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 just um, and and nowadays No one watches TV live anymore. It's either all streaming after the fact or on demand. Or
1: absolutely, and I mean, like Netflix and things like that have have sort of taken off. You can get loads of Netflix specials on now. um, Which, yeah.
0: Uh, Whenever I talk to someone uh, international, because I've talked to a couple Canadians, and and you're actually going to be my first European. Wow.
1: uh, Well, yeah, hopefully.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is there something uh, specific to the UK that you would? particularly recommend to an american like from tv or a movie maybe something that we've never heard of before or something that might not, not like flown under the radar
1: well oh um there is a ridiculous tv show called um oh actually there are a couple of tv shows and they're not necessarily comedy shows um there's one called countdown and there is one yep, called- yep, yep, yep. okay and there's one called the great british bake-off Oh, uh, ba- uh, Bake Off yeah, has completely both-
0: taken over over here, so...
1: Oh, really? Because, I mean... Like, yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much kind of British humour there, which is kind of um, just in the joy of of kind of weird people and people having these kind of, like, absolute obsessions and kind of nerd-outs on, um, yeah. like, baked goods. Like, people are crying over Pavlova and things like that. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then countdown um you win a teapot at the end of it i mean there there is nothing so ridiculously quintessentially british than kind of like going on playing this word game which essentially you could get it at the back of a magazine or something and then, <laughs> and then just winning a teapot at the end um i think sort of game shows uh panel shows and things are kind of hallmarks of a lot of british tv um there's another one called um oh what's it called Oh, I can't remember, but um, yeah, the, 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 <laughs> that was really good. Really good podcasting there. Well done, mate. Um,
0: well, who, well, who's the who are you thinking of? Who's like who's on that panel show?
1: Um, so Victoria Code M- Mitchell. Um,
0: oh oh oh! What's it called? Yes,
1: exactly. It's got a is ball that, in
0: it. Oh. Is is that the her quiz show?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Oh, because like I constantly do deep dives on youtube and watching different british panel shows because somehow i i forget how it completely started like i was watching it crowd and then i found uh the big fat quiz
1: i love that
0: and i've watched all of those
1: yes big time
0: and then big fat quiz got me to uh cats does countdown
1: yes very good
0: (laughs) and then so, like, and then QI, like, I'll watch QI clips. Oh, yeah, yeah. Constantly, like, oh, now it's really bothering me that I can't think of her show's name. Only Connect. Only Connect, okay. Connect. That's what it's called. Because, like, and that's, like, positioned as, like, the more highbrow yeah. quiz show or, like, more so than...
1: Yeah, I mean... Obviously-
0: 8 Out of 10 Cats or Cats This Countdown yeah. or any of those. But
1: there, there are also things like um, Gogglebox. So that's just essentially kind of normal people watching tv um and it'll be kind of kind of the reality tv that everybody's watching so it'll be kind of um i'm a celebrity get me out of here or kind of like jodie shore or like just sort of like these sort of trashy tv programs essentially um and uh it's just normal people normal characters watching this tv show and reacting to it um and there's some really really funny moments on there which is just people being genuinely kind of eccentric because i think part of the joy of british comedy is is kind of acknowledging the fact that everyone's a bit weird and that's kind of okay uh, and, and yeah. weirdness and sort of nerdiness is something to be sort of celebrated um and also ridiculed but in a very warm way i think um british comedy at its best is kind of both satirical and warm. It's, it's a weird kind of um, balance between the two. But yeah.
0: Yeah, because like, I can, th- and another thing that I've been like uh, diving into is uh, Richard Ayawati is now hosting the Crystal Maze. Yes, yes, he is. And he, like, there's just this one clip that I watch constantly <laughs> where he makes fun of Joey Essex.
1: Yes, I've seen it. I've seen it.
0: Just the idea that there's a prayer room in the industrial zone of the crystal maze and he sends joey to the prayer room that does not exist yeah. and joey goes like that's fantastic to me yeah. and i know nothing about towie i know nothing about the only ways essex i've never watched it yeah i only know joey essex from big fat quiz mm-hmm. cats does countdown like all this all those other stupid things but like that's hilarious to me like i and i don't know what it is about the panel shows because that isn't a like there's been a lot of like cultural exchange back and forth between the u.s and the uk like strictly comes strictly uh became uh dancing with the stars here uh big brother back and forth you know like all this uh we tried and i'm a celebrity get me out of here a couple years ago it didn't it the celebrities were awful so no one cared but like I don't understand how the comedy panel show has not come to America. I don't know. And it annoys me.
1: Um, maybe. I don't know. There's, a, there's kind of like, you see, we're, we're in an odd position at the moment because we're currently um, looking at the sketches that we've got um, in our show at the moment um, and looking at how they will translate to American audiences. Because we, mm-hmm. most of us have never been to America before. Um, I've never been to America before. And so the American TV and the American kind of comedies that filter through to us in the UK um, are things with a sense of humor, which is compatible with our own. So kind of like the US office, even though it's sort of evolved from the UK office into something very different, it's still an accessible type of comedy to us. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whereas a lot of the kind of chat shows and, and things like that, have not so much like SNL and things I'm aware of peripherally because of YouTube. But um, other than that, like it, it's it's not aired on, on UK TV or anything. Um, and it it's not that accessible to us. It's not the kind of thing that I think would take off here. Um, but there's a sort of, there's a weird sense of translation where we're not entirely sure what we have will land um, to uh, US audiences. Um, and kind of like, trying to judge that is, is really interesting because I think there's a lot there's a lot to be said with expectations um, of, of audiences. And I'm talking about live comedy now um, because mm-hmm. um, from what people on previous tour shows have said, um, in US audiences, you get kind of um, this sort of pot of energy. So people come really hyped and really ready to watch comedy and sort of um, enjoy themselves. And that pot of energy is not um it it can't be topped up but it can be lost throughout so it's about maintaining the energy of the crowd that's completely on board from the start or you'll end up losing it and it's kind of minimizing the loss of energy whereas in uk audiences you come and they kind of are a little bit standoffish so your first few sketches have to kind of warm them up essentially so you have to have you have to sort of put your really high energy um sketches at the start so that like you get the audience on board and on side, whereas in America they're already on side.
0: Um, yeah, I was I was about to say, looking at the, the the venues that you're coming to in America, at least the ones that I'm familiar with, yeah. you're going to be okay with translation. Oh, like hopefully. good. There might be co- yeah. like if you do like cultural a couple cultural references, some of them might be lost. Like yeah, but you're going to be fine. Like I'm not worried about the footlights
1: <laughs> well, that's-
0: having horrible shows in America.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good.
0: <laughs> um, so what got you to the point of wanting to do that monologue on stage oh. your first or second year at Cambridge? Yeah,
1: because um, I would say my first year. Cause I, um, so I came to Cambridge and had not really done much theatre. I'd done some of the school plays. I'd done like the, um, uh, like, just... We, we did a musical every other year and kind of everybody got involved in it and it was really fun. So I'd done that. And then I got to Cambridge and there's just this absolutely prolific theater scene there. Like so many shows go on all the time. And I just sort of happened to audition for the footlights pantomime, which happens every year. And it's written and performed by students, um, like most of them footlights, most of them comedians. Um, and I auditioned for it in my first year and I, um, ended up landing the lead role, which was very exciting. So I, what? I know it's mad, isn't it? Um, I was playing Maid Marian uh, in Robin Hood. And um, yeah, it was just this absolutely fantastic experience. But from doing that, I met a lot of comedians um, and I met a lot of people who were writers and performers and also a lot of people who did musical theater and things. But um, from meeting them, they kind of encouraged me to write uh, and encouraged me to audition for these open mic nights and these gigs and things. Um, and I went along on their recommendation actually, and, 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 sort of tried to write something. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a really good. It, it was, a, I was very lucky to have that because it meant that even when I didn't get in people were like, oh yeah, no, most people don't get in on their first time. Um, so it was nice to have that encouragement. Um, so that, that was kind of what it was. So when I didn't get in, I wasn't kind of heartbroken or soul destroyed or anything. Cause I'd been, Socializing with all these people who had done it before me and were still doing it now, um, so it was, it was it was a really nice situation to be in. I, I don't think everybody had that from Cambridge. I was I was very lucky. A lot of people find um, the auditions quite intimidating, and to the extent where we've kind of been working on changing um, the media by which you kind of audition for them. Um, so, like now, I think you end up auditioning for a director. Um, and kind of, like, each show will be slightly different, um, whereas this one, it was just sort of, you will, you audition to the panel of Footlights, um, and that sort of changed mm-hmm. now. But back when I was doing it, it had the potential to be very, very intimidating, but I was very lucky to have friends who were kind of in in the scene, which was good.
0: What is Panto? Can you uh, please panto. describe what Panto, panto is? Panto is
1: mad. It's the most difficult thing to describe. It's um essentially generally they come out around christmas um i think there are a couple of pantomimes that happen in the summer at the fringe and things but it is a christmas thing and um you generally take a well-known story a fairy tale or a myth or something so you've got like robin hood um you could also have like a christmas carol um i think this year's footlights pantomime um is going to be the gingerbread man just sort of like well-known tropes well-known stories and like you take this story that everybody knows and you change it and you rewrite it and you make it funny and silly um and there are sort of stock characters within there so you generally have this pantomime villain which is this really over the top grotesquely um buffoonish villain um everything's kind of overacted uh and then you there's a lot of cross dressing there's a lot of kind of um so there's there's another trope is the dame um and the dame is essentially kind of um a man who is playing a woman who is generally the kind of um like uh, the, the mother or like it, it's a it's a more minor character a supporting character but um they kind of generally come on and sort of help and they uh help the protagonist along and they kind of often have a big kind of uh raunchy side to them so they're the one who's kind of like making the the kind of Slightly cruder jokes and things that will, might go over the kids' heads, but um, are, are kind of a little bit more risque.
0: So it is like a family like entertainment.
1: Yes, oh. yeah. Traditionally, I mean, the Footlights pantom pantomime is for students um, primarily, so there, there's a little bit more freedom to be. Um, a little bit more clever a little bit more kind of satirical and probably a little bit ruder in there as well but uh yeah no it's primarily it's traditionally a family thing there's always singing in it as well it's a it's a musical theater hallmark as well um yeah it's it's basically just a, a massive kind of melting pot of everything that you could see as being a bit theatrical it's very camp it's very bright and colorful it's very fun high energy um yeah not really trying to say anything most of the time just sort of a celebration of all things theatrical
0: okay um you'd mentioned that saturday night live doesn't air over there but you're familiar with it through youtube and i'm sure you know like the alumni through movies and everything yes. and i asked this as everybody do you have a favorite cast member from saturday night live
1: um so sketch wise um There's this, like, there's a sketch where um, I think they're in they're in a kind of like lounge setting, and um, like I think it's Kristen Wiig is um, is kind of doing this whole bit where she's like, "Don't make me sing, don't make me sing, don't make me dance," and I find that really funny from uh, my kind of background um, in Mm musical theatre and all these kind of. I don't know. There's this sort of stereotype of people who are kind of like posing false modesty and and, and sort of like, oh, I'm I'm brilliant, but don't tell me I'm brilliant. Don't tell. Me, don't look at me. <laughs> yeah, stop it. And I find that absolutely hilarious. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say probably Kristen Wiig um, might be kind of, one of okay. my favorites. Yeah,
0: that works. Um, tell, like, all right. And the other thing about the footlights. Tell me about like how the year works for the footlights because like my understanding just from like looking at websites and stuff. There's there's weekly shows, and then there's like a big like end of the year show.
1: Sure. Um, well, I mean it, it varies term to term. So in a Cambridge year, there are three terms, um, and so one's Michaelmas, one's Lent, and one's Easter. Um, and you have each of them has one big footlight show. So um, the big footlight show at the end of Michaelmas is Panto, um, and but every week leading up to that, um, there is um, the Smoker, and the Smoker is the one of these um experimental open mic night um type fairs. Uh, it's on at eleven PM. Um it's an hour long and that was what you kind of auditioned for. And they're very informal, they're very experimental, um, but kind of very well attended.
0: And this is where you would have done your monologue?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: At a smoker? Yes. Okay.
1: Absolutely. Um, and yeah, that they they're very regular. Um, and that's where the majority of kind of the footlights kind of funds come from because they always sell out um and um then panto is also a big kind of money maker as well um in terms of kind of a lot of the people who aren't students but who live in cambridge um we call them townies uh, they they come and see the panto because it's it's got a big reputation for being quite good Um, and so like michaelmas is is kind of always gearing up towards panto um then in lent you have footlights presents uh and you've also got um the footlights spring review so footlights presents is um a group of comedians um who kind of work together on creating this sort of sketch show but it's um it, it's an hour long and um it's again quite experimental um and then spring review was traditionally, I think the committee, Um, it's changing now, but it was traditionally the the Footlights Committee who kind of put on this sort of big two hour kind of extravaganza um, of kind of all the sketches that they kind of written together in the year. And there's kind of like um, songs and monologues and sketches and bits of stand up and things. And um, it's a bit ridiculous because I think personally, two hours is far too long for a sketch show because nobody wants to sit and watch a sketch show for two hours. Um, with that individual.
0: is a that's a long show it's yeah a long
1: show but um it's it's a bit of hallmark of of the gig of, of footlights um and i don't think anybody's ever found a good way of doing it because uh, um yeah it's just a lot of time to fill and keep an audience on side and if you haven't got a plot or a narrative or anything then it's, it's very difficult to sort of buoy energy for that long um but it's um yes yeah, so, so that's that's another one um and then kind of the fringe kind of comes around so easter term is, is sort of all gearing up towards the fringe that's when so it's my job to kind of allocate footlights funding this year so a lot of sketch shows a lot of comedy shows kind of apply to the footlights um for funding to take their show up to edinburgh to take it to kind of the brighton fringe um or elsewhere um and uh, footlights uses the money that's made in the year to then sort of fund other shows uh and then also fund tour show which sort of does its uk tour and then goes to edinburgh and then um goes to america and um yeah it's um so, so that's that's kind of the structure of the year but smokers happen all the way through the year um and they they, they continue uh, into lent and easter term as well so there's there's always something going on in the footlights
0: that's crazy that's awesome that's a lot of just feels like a lot of work and a lot of like
1: it is it is but i mean just a
0: a lot to do but at the same time a lot of opportunity a lot of
1: exactly exactly and um Uh, there's also kind of like specialized smokers that happen every now and again so there's a lady smoker which is for um, female and non-binary people to um kind of audition um for kind of this comedy show that they may have felt alienated by, um, because of the, the hallmark of, of kind of it being a male dominated space. We also have BME, uh, BME smokers um, for the for the same reason. Um, and they're always great successes. Um, and I, I hope they'll continue uh, to happen next year because I think it's um, it's been a really good one for kind of inspiring confidence in um, minority groups uh, of comedians in Cambridge, so yeah.
0: Um. Hmm. It, and this is a this is a bad question too. And since I asked about favorite SNL cast member, do yeah. you have a favorite former footlight?
1: Oh, I do actually. And this is horrible, isn't it? Um, I love Olivia Coleman. Um, I think she is yeah. absolutely incredible. Uh, both as a comedian. So obviously, I kind of um I came across her. I first encountered her in like Peep Show and things. But um, she's kind of, yeah which i just think her comic timing is excellent and she's one of the few people or few performers i've kind of encountered who can actually just judge this this absolute deadpan and kind of like not not react when something happens and that be the punchline her her facial expressions are absolutely killer but then she's also got this amazing intelligence to her performances so now that she's gone into more kind of like straight acting and things I mean her performance in Broadchurch was mind-blowing um mm. and as somebody who um is also interested in straight acting and things she's a complete talent crush for me I think she's an absolutely incredible performer so yeah I, I'd probably say Olivia Coleman's um Olivia Colman's one of my favorites but also because yeah, I think yeah go on sorry
0: no no no, no it's you go I ahead
1: was gonna say uh, Richard is also a clear favorite. I don't think a sentence has come out of his mouth that I haven't laughed at. He's hilarious. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, because like, I think the first time I ever noticed Olivia Colman, or, and I, I'm i sure I didn't know who she was until much later, or realized who she was, uh, she plays the journalist like at the end of season two of The Office. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah she's where. A lot.
0: And like, uh, I think that's the episode where they hide the dildo in david brent's room right i think so okay that's about right and then i uh through her work on mitchell mitchell and webb look and all the other stuff yeah she's she's fantastic like i'm you definitely get points for that one (laughs) not that i'm keeping score or anything um Uh, geez, I just lost train of thought with Olivia Coleman. Oh, you mentioned Doctor Who earlier. I did. I'm not a huge Doctor Who person, okay. but uh, your favorite Doctor, because I'm sure you have one.
1: Um, I do, but mine's a little bit rogue. I um, so I love Christopher Eccleston, but maybe because okay. he's one of the first people I remember sort of seeing on TV who had my accent, and I was a bit. Okay. Uh, and so it was kind of. Uh, that there's one particular joke that they, they say um, in, in it. And, and um, I think it's Billy Piper turns around to him at one stage and sort of says, um, but you're an alien. How come you sound like you're from the North? And he says, lots of planets have a North. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> um,
0: that is great. Yeah,
1: that was kind of great. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, I've grown out of, I, I, I've i sort of grown out of touch with Doctor Who. Um, I think maybe from just from coming to uni um, but I mean, it was so exciting. It was such a hallmark of my childhood. We watched it so much. Um, I think partially because my parents watched it when they were growing up, when it was kind of the oldies, and obviously, they they then kind of like took a break and brought it back when I was when I was a child. And then, um, yeah,
0: I, I, yeah, the revival probably hit you right at the exact right, right? age. Yeah, absolutely. I feel. Yeah,
1: um, and so yeah, like I, I grew up with it, um, and now that i'm i'm kind of not living at home and um don't really have access to tv that much um mm-hmm. yeah i just i I've, I've kind of lost touch with it which i feel makes um I, i'd love to sort of see what Jody Whittaker's is doing it with it but i i've also kind of not watched any of them
0: yeah i only i only really watch like the christmas specials i, I don't think i've ever watched a full season or a series no, no, no. of it so like I barely like. I'm asking that question. I I barely know what I'm talking about. So, you could have made up a name, and I would have completely believed you for the most part.
1: <laughs> well, let's hope I didn't.
0: <laughs> no, I I know Eccleston. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So you've done footlights your entire time at Cambridge. Is this the first time you're doing the the Fringe and tour?
1: Um, uh, it's not my first time doing the Fringe, but it is my first time doing the Fringe with the footlights. Um, so okay. Uh, yeah, and um yeah you, i think you you can only audition for the tour show once well you can audition for um so I've auditioned for the tour show every year um but this is this has been the only time I've been successful and I think you can only actually go on tour once in your three years um because it is such a massive commitment and because it is such um it's such a once in a lifetime opportunity i think um to mm. sort of have this tour with this sort of like really closely tightly knit group of people creating this show um i think so yeah it's it's the kind of thing that you only do once um and i don't i don't actually think anybody's done it multiple times and i don't know if that's a sort of formal rule but um nobody nobody has ever done it more than once i don't think
0: yeah because and i was completely wrong in this impression but i also got the impression i well i had originally thought that like uh the footlights tour coming over was almost like the the farewell for the graduating class like mm, yeah the uh, like you know like for the most part like and i know i think i believe most most of you have graduated yes yes I mean, and this will be your final thing yeah. but i always thought that previously like it was just it was the final act for you before you move on and start your careers and
1: yeah i think um for a lot of people it does have that function um but equally it's I, I think the casting process is, is more to do with kind of comedians whose writing and whose kind of performance styles will gel well. Um and if that kind of happens to include people in first and second year as well, then I mean essentially they want what's best for the show and what's best for the group. So it's 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 not just a sense of kind of being a comedic swan song for the graduates. Uh, but yeah, I mean one of um one of the people who I, I believe you're probably talking to um it's a girl called-
0: yeah, I think Meg is like yeah, a first I year right actually,
1: yeah um but she's um she's great and like it's difficult to imagine uh a show like the show would be a very very different one if she weren't involved and she kind of adds so much to it and it's nice to know that we all have our kind of cornerstones of of the show it's it's very much a kind of melting pot of all our comedic voices um but yeah no it's, it's more show orientated than it is kind of individual
0: kind of in- game yeah um and uh cheating a little bit and looking at your bio on the footlights tour web page sure. you met uh, about musical comedy yes
1: yes
0: uh like are we talking about more theatrical musicals or like more in the terms of like the uh, fly the concords doing like a concert setting instead of like a theatrical set- setting.
1: Well, a bit of both, really. So, um, this year, uh, I have been up at the Fringe with two shows. Um, and one of them is obviously Footlights Tour Show. The other one was an original musical, um, called Lucky. Uh, and that was kind of a straight musical. Obviously, it, it had comedic elements in it, but um, was not really um that much of a comedy. So that was um uh-huh. kind of uh a kind of narrative driven like through arc. Um but mostly it's it's more kind of um one off Tim minchin esque um little vignette songs. Um so I did a uh I, I did a, a one woman show um called Chameleon at the end of my second year um which was essentially kind of like a cabaret stand-up song cycle thing but it was just sort of these individual songs um which were kind of like fun little concepts that i've had like um i think my favorite song that i've written um is kind of about somebody who has fallen so deeply in love with somebody they just want to make strange things for them so like they want to carve a sculpture (laughs) for them um out of doner kebab meat and things like that it's um (laughs) yeah and it's it's they're just sort of like fun little ideas and i think there's a lot of scope for comedy in comedy songs because um a lot of comedy is about timing it's about surprise and it's about kind of like measuring out the beats and falling like falling into a swing um that Mm -hmm. can both subvert and meet the expectations of an audience and songs and music uh works in a similar way so when you kind of um gel them together and have them kind of compete and and um kind of divert uh, diverge from each other it's um it's, it's a really interesting and fun form to play with. Um, and it also, I'm, I, I love words. Uh, I've, I've just graduated with a degree in English and I think kind of finding fun rhymes for things, um, is, is a real, it, it, it's just a real kind of joy for me. Uh, so kind of being playful with that is, is just, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do with comedy, I think.
0: Now that you've graduated and you're going on this tour, what's your next step? Is entertainment and performing the career path that you want to do? Uh,
1: yes, absolutely. Um, I um, I don't have any solid plans at the moment, but um, one of my favorite things to say to people is that I'm moving to London to seek my fame and fortune. Um, so I'm pulling a Dick Whittington, hopefully, and um, kind of like moving down south. Um, and yeah, joining joining this sort of terrifying industry of uncertainty but like um it sounds very very exciting I've got a number of contacts I've got a few auditions coming up so hopefully something will come of that I'm also going to carry on writing um and as I mean you mentioned the comedy songs thing there's um a number of comedy competitions uh that that happen throughout the year with with kind of um boards and establishments such as Chortle which run um kind of stand-up competitions and also there's a comedy song competition as well so I will probably be auditioning for things like that and applying for things like that um and just seeing what happens really um Mm -hmm. I think being I'm quite open-minded to the future I've um I've been applying to jobs um none of which use my degree I think in an ideal world I never have to use my degree again (laughs) um and yeah just sort of Sort of seeing what what comes my way really
0: uh do you have a favorite musical comedian
1: uh tim minchin without a doubt mm. yes
0: yeah <laughs> he's just yeah so... you mentioned him earlier i should have put two and two together with that one uh, he's just he's incredible and
1: i also he's he's a huge inspiration in in the sense that not only his the, does he do these very very complex very clever very funny um standalone songs um like you grew on me is just an excellent song it's an excellent concept it's really funny um and then he also he, he's also an incredibly talented musical theater composer and writer so kind of Matilda is just that's right yeah incredible and also Groundhog Day as well which I wasn't so much of a fan of at first and then the more you listen to it the more you notice and the cleverer it becomes and it kind of he's just he's an absolute genius and i i can't say that i'm not a massive fan um so yeah that's i think he has to know. i don't i don't know if
0: groundhog day has made its way over here yet or if it's oh, I think- just not been or we're still in a, a malaise of uh hamilton like sure no i
1: think i think groundhog day like- definitely has um has sort of made its way to america um but um yeah it's uh it's it it's sort of I think it's coming back to the UK as well. But um yeah, it, it wasn't as much of a hit as Matilda, I don't think. Okay. But um it was it's still very good. Very good.
0: Uh and through your time with the footlights, is there something that you've learned about comedy that you would pass on to someone that uh is a new writer or just starting out? Yeah, I'd say, a piece of advice maybe. Yeah,
1: don't be afraid to fail. Um you're gonna have so like that. there's going to be so many ideas and um jokes and things that that you write that you kind of that, that that will just sort of essentially fall flat because um you've no way of knowing um how a joke is going to play to an audience until you give it the litmus test of an audience you have to kind of like and and you have to sell the joke as well you have to sort of sell your piece you have to become that character you have to have faith in your writing and sometimes having faith in a right uh, a joke or something that isn't good um can mean that you're just it's just gonna die it's just gonna die in its ass and it's not gonna kind of go anywhere but if you don't have that faith if you don't have that conviction then the joke isn't gonna pay off because you need to give it the energy so I think having having the view of, of knowing that failure is always constructive in comedy because you can then mm-hmm. kind of build from it. You can then um, sort of say, oh, that didn't work. And that didn't work because this, um, and never sort of being, oh, that didn't work because I didn't sell it. Um, it's going to be that didn't work because the structure didn't work because the beats didn't fall because um, I needed to use this word instead of this word. That's constructive. Um But I think kind of having attacking something with conviction and not being afraid to fail will kind of only serve you well in the long run. Um, So I think I I think that's kind of one of the things that I've learned because nobody really knows what they're doing in this industry. I think (laughs) I mean I think that's that's one of the that's another quite important thing. Like nobody, we're all learning. We're all. Nobody really understands comedy. People have devoted their lives to writing theory books on it, um, and mm-hmm. read all of those and still be a terrible, a t- terrible person at telling jokes. I know my dad's one of those people. Um, <laughs> you know, it's um, it's it's a very strange and fascinating phenomenon, um, kind of comedy. But it's that's part of what yeah. makes it so exciting. So I think just sort of, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Being the most successful comedy writer or comedian does not guarantee that your next project isn't going to fail, exactly, or exactly. isn't like so. It's it's crazy. Mm. Yes. Uh, and finally, as we wrap up, uh, I ask this of everyone: uh, Why comedy? Why is this how you've decided to spend your time uh, and your future career? Like you spent three years at Cambridge with the footlights yes. moving to London. Yeah. I, 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 and, I, and you're going to pursue, I'm sure dramatic everything too, but oh, like but, but. why has comedy been your yeah. uh, thing for the last while?
1: Because there's, there's just this absolute unadulterated joy of kind of being in a room with an audience and telling a joke or um, embodying a character that you have come up with, and that having this immediate kind of response of laughter. And, I mean, everybody knows what it's like to sort of have just something tickle you, something catch you unaware, and you just sort of, like, have this instinctive response to laugh. And knowing that you've caused that in somebody else, and not just one person. I mean, that's good enough, but kind of, like, a a room full of people is just so joyful and so fun and I I love I love that I love having that kind of response and being able to elicit that response in an audience um and you don't get that anywhere else um if you write things down if you kind of like write um funny books and things then you don't you don't ever get to see that you don't get to enjoy that with kind of like um I mean, drama is very, very uh, validating in, in different ways, and you do get the response afterwards. But like the immediate response of laughter is so yeah. fulfilling and so lovely and so uniting. You've got a room full of very different people, all leading different lives, all kind of coming from different backgrounds and things, and they're all laughing, and that's absolutely wonderful. And I love it.
0: All right, that sounds great. Yeah. Thanks, Ash.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much.
0: In case you were really worried, Tim mentioned Groundhog Day did indeed come to Broadway. It ran for six months, was nominated for seven Tonys before closing. I've posted a bunch of videos that we talked about on the My First Sketch Tumblr if you want a little extra context. Ash and the rest of the Footlights are coming to Canada and America to present the review, Pillow Talk. You should follow them on Twitter at FootlightsTour.com. And like them on Facebook if you look for Footlights Tour 2018. The Footlights are heading to Vancouver on August 31st, San Francisco September 3rd, Sacramento September 5th, Austin, Texas September 11th, Chicago on September 14th, Pittsburgh on September 15th, they're here in Philadelphia, the Philly Improv Theater September 20th and 21st, and finally New York City September 23rd. You can find out more details and ticket information if you head to footlightsontour.co.uk. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at PhillySketchfest.com or on Twitter at PHL The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at NonoBand.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, Feel free to rate and review wherever applicable. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.